Welcome back to Rethinking Politics, episode 89. I was browsing the Twitter, or what's the, what do the old people call it? Yeah, you already called it, you already outed yourself to begin with. Okay, okay, that's what I was looking for, but then as I said it, it it didn't quite feel right, because that's probably what I would call it anyway, you're, you're. Your implication mm-hmm. there is correct. I'm, I'm, I'm the old. You're over man thirty, aren't you? As far as <laughs> I am, but as far as it goes, as far as Twitter goes, I might as well be mm-hmm. seventy or eighty. I've been on Twitter more recently than I've ever been in my life. In fact, I'd say in probably in the last week, I've spent more time on Twitter than the rest of my life combined. It wasn't a big number. If you're thinking hours, it's days, it's probably. It might be into hours. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, all the other time I've spent is uh, a few seconds to share things on it. But I was on Twitter. Uh, in, that's in no small part due to the fact that I feel like that that time may actually be well invested now. No, not well invested. Let's <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. Spending time on Twitter is not a good investment. In 99.9% of the time. And I'm probably no exception. But I was on Twitter looking at news and I found something. And I was on Twitter looking at news and sharing things on Twitter in part because Elon Musk took it over and I'm fairly confident I'm not going to get kicked off of it now. <laughs> Before, you know, it was always up in the air. I don't, I was not going to do something egregious, but you never know, right? When, when, when there's people are censoring people for political reasons on social media, you never know. And, I don't want to spend a lot of time building up a Twitter account only to have it, you know, get the boot for. I do love your optimism, Dan, thinking that, that we could reach the level where we'd get noticed enough to get, where we deserve it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, I'm like that lazy guy on the couch that doesn't actually do anything. He's very, he claims to be ambitious, but doesn't actually do anything and can come up with all kinds of reasons why. Why even beginning to make an effort will end up not being fruitful. And I'm over here yeah, like, hey, at least he made it to the couch. <laughs> oh, boy. So I, I found this. This is from Ivy Larson. I don't know who this human being is, but there's the name for you. She writes, Roe may or may not be overturned, but meanwhile, baby formula is scarce. Stock market is tanking. Gas prices are rising, speech is being censored, human trafficking is up, mental health crises are, crises are exploding, drug overdoses rising, crime rates skyrocketing. What else? And you'll get a variety of responses, obviously. You start digging through that pile of dirt and you're going to... <laughs> What's wrong with the world is a very broad question and people can come up with it. Some of my favorite answers included one guy who's clearly all about Trump Uh talking about basically how we should, you know, the, our president isn't on Twitter and someone else who was like, we're not bombing any countries as far as they were aware of. Um, you'd all kinds of, all kinds of political things thrown in there. But there's, there's some point to that, right? There's actually a helpful list. Baby formula, scare, stock market, gas, speech, human trafficking, mental health, drug overdoses, crime. And I thought, is that, is that all? accurate that's a, that's a lot of stuff when you put it together side by side brad is our is our are we okay like is life okay don't ask me that dan is the is the world falling apart now despite <laughs> don't ask you that 
How's your week been, Brad? You doing all right over there? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Brad's barely hanging on. If you hear a thud, it's him collapsing onto the floor somewhere near his microphone. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, I would say, Brad, just assessing ourselves. We're not the most pessimistic people in the world. Despite the fact that we think there's lots of things wrong. In part, my, my optimism for the world has little to do with politics and everything to do with the fact that so far, most of my life isn't determined mm-hmm. by politics. Mm-hmm. And, as, and as long as that stays the case, there's hope, right? I can, I can figure things out. You know, friendship is one of the, the great things in life. So far, relatively unaffected. Uh, unaffected for me. I know it's affected some people. People have lost friends over politics, but what do you do? Uh, a long-term healthy relationship. I'm married. It's, it's going well. Kids going well. Uh, and so on. Right? None of these things are specifically driven or determined by the fact that the Supreme Court is overturning Roe v. Wade. Or, and, and, and I guess that's a bad example because Roe v. Wade actually will affect people. <laughs> but, but unlike most of what happens in politics, which doesn't actually directly affect you despite how fact, how easy it is to get angry about it. Um, well, and, and you could argue that with Roe v. Wade too. I mean, assuming the Supreme yes, Court overturns Roe v. Wade, the number of people actually affected is going to be a lot lower than people are making it out to be. People people will be yes, affected, yes. but it's not going to be everyone the way we're talking about it. You know, yeah. even in the states that are going to place restrictions on abortion, aren't going to ban all abortion all the time, most of the time. You know, you know, we looked at the numbers and there is probably going to be a decrease, but we're talking percentages, you know, a 15 percent decrease, yeah, you know, a 10 percent decrease, yeah. not 100 percent elimination. Right, right. And yeah, so even when they are affected, it will be affected less than I think people think. Um, doesn't mean that politics doesn't affect people. It just is a reminder. I think Dan's trying to you know remind us that. The majority of our lives are still outside of politics, even though they do intersect quite frequently. They do, and they do intersect, and it is still mostly outside of politics. The most important things that happen to you, the things that are going to leave you weeping and wailing or you know, the loss of a loved one is going to be going to be something far more devastating generally than anything that's going to be determined by the legislature. Though, to be fair, nothing is ever determined by the legislature these days. Uh, Let me just make this as confusing as possible. I'm going to say something and then I'm going to qualify it with the fact that politics doesn't work. (laughs) Anyway, what's interesting about this list is that that's a lot of bad things. And those are serious things that do affect people a lot. And those are things that may or may not be driven by politics. Uh, Baby formula being scarce. Affecting a relatively small subset of people, but affecting them in a dramatic way. Um, stock market affects everybody and can affect everybody in somewhat significant ways, more or less significant, depending on what, you know, what you're losing. Um, gas prices affects everybody, period. Um, though the effect is more or less depending on your wealth. Speech being censored, I think overall ruins the conversation for people. Um, whether or not they know it, 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 uh, it does have a negative impact. Human trafficking dramatically affects a small group of people and 
through them affects everybody else. Mental health crisis, uh, the numbers on that are freaky. Drug overdose, crime rates. This is the world we live in. And it's weird to be, often when we're talking about political systems, Brad, I feel like we're we're a step away, right? When we're talking about the Federal Reserve and principles of economics and, and inflation and these kind of things, we get to be somewhat objective observers from uh-huh. the sidelines. You get somebody who dies of an overdose in your family or you know, a crime that actually affects you directly and so on, uh, the mental health stuff that's destroying the youth. Um, that's, that really colors the world. If you interact with other human beings, these things mm-hmm. affect you. But we're going to start at the top, baby formula. And as we go through these, I want to talk about, I want to think, think big picture for a minute. Are, are these connected? Is this temporary phenomena? Um, obviously, there's ups and downs in life, and hopefully these things are temporary, but we'll discuss that as we go. How scarce is baby formula, Brad? It's really I was scarce. about to say, it's, it's not gone, but it's surprisingly <laughs> scarce. There are severe sort shortages depending on where you are and what you're buying. Yes. Uh, and I, uh, I have a new baby. Uh, unlike an old baby. Breastfeeds. Which is what I have right <laughs> unlike now. Unlike an old baby. <laughs> I'm dealing with an old baby right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, he, uh, my wife, uh, breastfeeds, but, uh, but to some degree, supplement, uh, we have yeah. a supplement. Um, and it's always nice to have some formula on the side. You know, you never know in terms of milk supply and things. Um, so this does affect us. Uh, it, it means prices have gone up and it means that in many cases you go to buy formula and you will not find it. How often? 40% of the time on average varies where, depending on where you live, most States it's 40 or 50%. Um, but on average, it's about 40% of the time people go to the store to buy it, want to buy it, have the money to buy it. And it's unavailable. That's really mm-hmm. high. I, I wish I had the numbers for toilet paper back during that that one time. Uh, it's that's got to be close. I, I wonder what toilet paper was at when uh-huh, the peak uh-huh. of the scare when everybody was buying it up. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this, um, and I'm not sure what the international supplying is like. But one of the big things here was that there was a massive recall for one of the two major uh, major brands. And the fact that there are two major brands also tells you another part of the problem. You want to know what's regulated? Baby formula is regulated. <laughs> it's regulated to crazy degrees. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Brad, I saw this. Uh, I was reading this article early on uh, after we had the baby that uh, this, this woman was selling her breast mm-hmm. milk. And it was being purchased by weightlifters and she was making a crazy amount of money. It was like get like legitimately getting rich off of selling breast milk. And I thought, wait, why? Yeah. Why isn't that a thing? And of course I know why it's not a thing. It's, it's because it's illegal in mm-hmm. the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Generally, there may be exceptions. There may be, may vary by state. Um, but it's one of those many things that, that the market could actually take care of this to some degree, but there is, a barrier. And why would there be just two companies 
two companies that sell, if you've ever gone shopping for baby formula, the funniest part is that each of the two major brands has like a million types. <laughs> it's not a million types, It feels but they, like it, though. But they have several types. It feels like it when you're browsing and you're like, huh, do I want the one that's good for the body or good for the brain? <laughs> do I want the one that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like stupid, this is how advertising is, right? Now with added this for uh-huh. your brain's, uh, for brain development or something like that. <laughs> and brain, de- and, I mean, brain development turns out to be extremely important in babies. And it's one of the reasons why breast milk is superior. There's fats in the, the breast milk that are extremely hard to mimic, especially when you have to make something that can generally last through a uh, – that you could put in a fallout shelter yeah, of a nuclear explosion and it still has to be good. Shelf stable sounds uh, far too far I know. Too you reasonable. went over here with the nuclear explosion. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening to this baby formula? Maybe that's the reason we're, we're short is because it didn't survive the nuclear explosions that it goes through on a regular basis in order to get to the store. For testing. Yes. For testing purposes, it has to survive a nuclear explosion. And we wonder why there's so many preservatives in it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this, as far as I've, I've looked, I haven't looked at this one too closely. It doesn't seem like this is going to get better soon. In fact, the, the recent, the jump to 40% is fairly recent. Um, you were getting shortages uh, uh, last year, but they were smaller. Uh, at the beginning of this year, I want to say it was single digit percentage. Uh and by shortage, I mean uh, out of stock rate specifically here, the the times when you go to the store to purchase with the money and it's not there. Um, that number went from single digits to where it is now at 40%. And well, if it climbs much higher, I'd, if, for people who are using this, often there isn't mm-hmm. an alternative. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to figure something out. One, one quick solution would be to get rid of the loss that I was indicating uh, about preventing people from selling their breast milk. Well, and I know people, I it know be, they have like the uh, breast milk banks where you can donate your breast milk. You just can't sell it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Some kind of movement to bring attention to those might be helpful. Um, selling it, making it uh, worth actual money seems like a much more effective solution. In Incentivizing terms of people shortage, to, which we do. to fill yes. that, that need. Yeah. Yes. So that one checks out. That one's actually really bad, terrifying, and uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing you're not going to have a baby soon, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> the second one: the stock market tanking. Now, my favorite part about stock market headlines is which word they choose to describe it: tanking, crashing, booming. You know, all of them are. All of them imply mm-hmm. something, but I don't know if any of them are strictly defined. So you can get away with kind of whatever flavor you'd like to throw on it. Um, in this case, tanking is a pretty good word, I feel like. Crashing is another pretty good word. We are not, in the common way that these metrics are, are used, we are not in a full-on, what, stock market? Stock market? Crash, yeah. Crash? What's the term I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're getting closer and at the rate that we're getting closer, (laughs) it could be weeks rather than months before an official crash Mm -hmm. is declared. Yeah. I'm looking, not looking good. If you're someone who wants to buy the dip, hold on. (laughs) 
yes, hold that. <laughs> it's bad enough that if you Google stock market, you're going to get massive amounts of financial advice on what you need to be doing right now. Because you need to be doing something right now. <laughs> if you have money in the stock market is the, is the idea. I don't, don't take financial advice on the stock market from me. Brad, give was, financial advice on the stock market. <laughs> I was, I was sitting here and I was like, don't take financial advice on the stock market from anyone. You know, it's just, everything should be taken with a grain of salt. You know, every day the Motley Fool has got a, articles about which stocks you should buy right now the best stocks to buy and uh mm -hmm. and i was like if if you're which right all the time why are you writing these articles instead of making millions you know something i something i <laughs> wonder about the all the time like they can't be paying you that much for this article yes that it's that it's that if you can predict the stock market you should be spending mm -hmm. your time mm -hmm. here instead of predicting mm -hmm. the stock market for your own so yeah, it's it's one of those things where my favorite is the uh, the people who've gotten rich through um, buying property at lifestyles. Is that a is that a company? That's a group that does this. They buy the idea is they've been so successful at buying and selling property that now they're going to train you on how to buy and for sell a low low price. Of, yeah, five payments <laughs> of one one thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and this is not to cast aspersions on everyone who's like on the on the motives of every person who has like come to the point where they feel like they've mastered something and they now want to teach it, even though they could just continue practicing and make more money that way. I'm sure there are people who are like, you know, I want to share this now, but it does make me a little mm -hmm, suspicious because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people so out well. there who are. <laughs> Who are touting that claim, you know, that they've already made it <laughs> yes. and they're now devoting their time to helping you. Yes. The S&P 500, one of the three major, uh, what, stock exchanges? What's the right terminology here? Stock exchanges? Stock boards? Stock well, trackers? <laughs> I'd call them indexes. You've got the Dow Jones, indexes. the NASDAQ. That's the word I'm looking and the S&P, because you've got the yes. New York Stock Exchange, which is different than these. These are the indexes. Yeah, I was just throwing out terms after I realized yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah. sure what it was. Uh, are you sure you need to right, have that disclaimer still about how people shouldn't take uh, stock market advice from you? Fine. I think we can cut that out. I think people have been convinced. Come sell on my stock market, <laughs> my personal stock market, and I will show you how to get rich. So... The, the S&P 500 is noted by people who supposedly know what they're talking about, unlike myself, um, that as, as the, the particular index, if you want to look at U.S. stocks, U.S. stock market performance, um, the U.S. stock market, the U.S. stock market, the S&P 500 declined 13% through April. This is according to, uh, uh, Reuters article um, titled Explainer, Why the U.S. Stock Market is Tumbling in 2022. This is the other thing. If you browse stock market crash, you're going to find. You're going to find Forbes and Reuters and the New York Post and probably everybody. I don't know why I'm listing specific names here. <laughs> probably virtually every paper <laughs> that ever talks about the stock market is going to give you an explanation. And there's going to be an article that says, here's why. Um, 
at one point, uh, since since May, it's fallen further. And uh, as of Tuesday's close, I'm going to look at the date real quick. Tuesday of. Yeah, yesterday. Look at that. Good. Got the most recent article up by by sheer coincidence. <laughs> by Tuesday's close, it was down 16% year to date. At 20%. Is a twenty percent is something of a of a benchmark. Once it's down twenty percent, it'll be described as an official bear market. Bear, <laughs> I have this urge now, Brad, to go on a tangent about animal spirits and John Maynard Keynes, but I'm going to resist. I appreciate that. The bear and the and bull. I will resist the urge to uh, exit the chat and turn off my mic. You know. <laughs> See, look at the willpower we both have, both exercising here today. It's impressive. The world has has struck at us, but we are undaunted. Needless to say, the S&P 500, Dow Jones, NASDAQ, they're all down considerably year to date. They're down a lot. Past five days, they're down. Today, they're down. The last month, they're down. However you want to look at it, it's not good. <laughs> Wait, Brad, are are they down? I'm getting a sense of direction here, and it's not. Well, I, I just wanted to make it clear: it's not like it's been rising all year, and then yeah, the, yeah, yes. yeah, it's been down a few percent the last couple of days, but we're still generally up. No, it's generally down. Yes, which is which is a mm -hmm. critical detail. This is not an abrupt shift that's happening. Um, this is, I mean, it's fairly abrupt as far as the decline, the the, the rate of decline. It's really steep, but it's also. Uh, in continuity with the mm -hmm. trend of the year. That's a, that's a very good to point out. Um, I'm here to help. A couple other... Okay. <laughs> I'd say that's true 75% of the time. 50% today. Maybe. <laughs> 50%. Um, why is it declining? Brad, why is it declining? I think there are, there are a number of reasons... Um, the number one is that the stock market is not – it's not a very well-grounded uh, instrument, and so it has a tendency to inflate and deflate. It has a, a tendency to boom and bust. That in and of itself is a reason at any point for it to collapse. In other words, it's gone up, so it's going to come down. Um but more than that, you've got a lot of economic indicators that are telling people that now may not be a good time to invest. You know, inflation is at record highs, but combine that with the Fed's action to curtail inflation indicates that there's going to be either a recession or something close to a recession in the near future, which is going to hurt a lot of businesses. And so... Things are looking bad economically on a on a on a worldwide level, but also on a on a more local U.S. level that that is not a good time to invest. And so a lot of people are starting to 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 worry. Um, they have these fear indexes that look at how concerned people are about what's happening, and those fear indexes are really high, which means I think things are going to get worse, not better. Hey, that's the that's the bear spirit right there. Uh, we talked about China's economy being uh, something of a bust lately, and that's that's certainly a part of it. The, the war, it's, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot. As you said, the world's just not 
not looking like a good place to invest money right now. <laughs> and interest rates climbing from the Federal Reserve policy, which should happen. They, we desperately need a corrective to the interest rate. Uh, ideally, it'd be the market corrective, which would put the rates at a ridiculous price for a while. Um, you need an adjustment. The reason the reason you have to adjust ultimately is, is malinvestment. But we'll get into that another time and have. Suffice to say, the stock market is in fact tanking. And we may be, it may be tanking into quite the abyss, maybe tanking into a legitimate crash. We're probably due for one, as you pointed out, Brad, the cyclical nature of it, of booms and busts, probably due for one with the, the way our economy is arranged. The third thing, gas prices are rising. I don't know that we need to say much about that. It's the dollar, $4.28 is the average today. $4.28. If you happen to live in the wrong place, it's way higher than that. He's talking to you, California. <laughs> yeah. Seattle posted a record recently. Um, yep. California in particular. Yes, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, I, it's interesting, the differences in prices. So a significant part of it is going to be your, your state's gas tax. And I think every state probably has a gas tax. It's just an easy easy attempt to uh states put states put taxes on strange things gas is one of the ones that always gets taxed uh there is a state that doesn't have one i'd be shocked and then i think there's probably federal gas taxes as well but there's at least state taxes in places like california their goal seems to be to make gas expensive success now <laughs> congratulations <laughs> you've, you've done it high fives all around um, the Russia and Ukraine, the various policies we have that make it so that, that the, the people getting oil that we do have don't want to invest significantly in producing more oil because the writing is on the wall that they're going to be thrown under the bus at the you know, soonest possible Yeah, moment. assuming they can afford to Just fuel to, that bus. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a hybrid that's, that's or a good EV. One. I don't know. I, I like that one. I'm that here to help. One. Remember? We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. So I don't know what you do with, with, uh, fossil fuels in general. I was listening to, what is his name? Safedine? Maybe if I say it fast, people can't tell that I've mispronounced yeah, I mispronounced it. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. He's an economist. Uh, uh, we'll talk, we'll talk more of him probably in the Monk, near you've future. had a chance He's to look really up how to pronounce his name. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Sorry, we're going to stall. <laughs> I, know, I, I know his economics and his papers on 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 fuel by heart, but his name—that's <laughs> the—that's the thing I've got to look up. We're we're ways from being able to discard fossil fuels, and it's it's an illusion to think that we can switch to anything else. Uh, nuclear should become something we adopt soon. None of these things are going to help us with driving cars. Um, with cars, we've got we've got serious problems. Uh, it, it's interesting right now. <laughs> this is vaguely related to gas prices. The cost of electricity and and electricity outages in the United States. It's actually really really easy. Not maybe not easy. Easy is probably too strong a word. It's it should be easy for power companies to power things like the ac when it's hot we we've become accustomed to this idea that that sometimes it's too hot and our power 
is just going to go out. It. You you in Texas have cold. definitely gotten comfortable with that. Yeah, in Texas it's the cold, right? Oh, it's too cold. No wonder the power went out. Um, you have what is essentially a giant engine, and you put fuel into it, and you get energy out. And you just need to put enough fuel into it. It's a mathematical equation in some ways. And yes, there's predicting the future and uncertainty, but it's also like we've we solved the problem of having power 24 hours a day a long time ago. So why are we Almost struggling with it years now? years ago. <laughs> yes. Yes. The nature of the problem has not changed. It's not global. You could you could increase the temperature 10 degrees and we could still solve the problem at the level of of math and planning. And right? it's it's not the nature of the problem hasn't changed. We've somehow managed to get worse. Yeah, at we're we're, with the we're moving backwards because now what you have is you know a state like Texas where they have these massive wind farms that that generate power inconsistently, thus decreasing the demand for other forms of power creation, thus making a more unstable power grid that's less likely to be able to provide the power during those peak times, and then yes, it- and then you've got. Keep you know, going. the increase in electric cars, you know, electric vehicles, which means you're actually going to have a greater draw on the power grid than you did before. Um, that was one of the ironies he pointed out, is that California, if all of their vehicles were electric, their power grid would, <laughs> would be even worse. <laughs> no, and, 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 anyway. and, it's, and it's not just that. I mean, we got, we got a rise in, in solar chargers, right? So it's like, okay, well, what we'll do yeah. is everyone will have solar chargers on their house and then they'll have electric vehicles. Great. Your electric vehicle is not at your house during the day. It's at your place of work. So while your house is producing electric power, it's not drawing that power. And then your car gets home at night to draw the power that's no longer being produced, which means now you need you, now you need storage, your municipal, yes. you know, uh, power companies to be providing power almost entirely at night because they're getting so much extra during the day and having these this draw at night that there's no power to supply for and it just gets it just gets more and more muddied because our priority is no longer as you said Dan producing reliable power our priority is the environmental concerns and and that's just yeah. a very different priority and if that's your priority you're going to end up with very different results as Texas has already reliable, seen. Reliable and cheap. And reliable and cheap power, quite literally, if, if you have unreliable power, serious problems happen. And the, the most, uh, perhaps the most striking example is, uh, is again, I'm drawing from, from this man whose name I don't dare try and pronounce a second time. <laughs> <laughs> but as I said, we'll, we'll talk about him in the future because he's, he's great on energy. Um, uh, he was talking about how you get, if the power fluctuates, if you don't have reliable power in hospitals, and, and at this point, we, I want to say we probably do have reliable hos- hospital power, even when the rest of the grid is unreliable because we have, we have backups and things for those, <clears throat> for those. Uh, and maybe that's not true. Maybe the power issues are getting bad enough that, that even our backups are failing. But, but if you have, if you're in a, a country, that can't get reliable power to hospitals. You can't take care of premature children. Premature babies die. Along with a number of other medical con- people with certain other medical conditions. They just, they just, you can't take care of them without power. 
And so if the power is unreliable, you can't take care of that. Um, not to mention that it makes it all outcomes in terms of the hospital care worse because <laughs> all the other no, things yeah, require power at least yeah, in some there's form. a certain <laughs> level to the quality of life that that we experience because of the the power grid you know like another small example of that is refrigerated insulin you know it's something where you need to have yes where you yes. can't have five days with no power consistently and still you know have refrigerated insulin you know Yes, yes, there's just certain con- medical conditions that, that and, we can't and that, deal and, with. And I bring that one up because it's much broader than than just hospitals. I mean, the number of people who are taking insulin every day in the United States is astronomical. And and they yes, are able to because of this system we have set up. That's that's considered yeah, that's it's, reliable. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. You it, one of the best things you can do to bring people out of poverty is cheap, reliable energy. In fact, it, it might be the best thing. It might be the key to all the other things. And we're, we're taking all kinds of steps to make it more expensive. We not only incentivize things that are less effective, but we then punish things that are more effective um, and more reliable. Speech. Speech is being centered, censored on social media. This is true regardless of the political spectrum you come from, unless you have the one political spectrum, which is the perspective that the social media group, whichever one it is, the, generally we're talking Facebook, Twitter, um, I don't know what, what other ones, uh, Patreon is kicking people off. In fact, Patreon, my favorite part about Patreon is that they kick people off for things that they do off of the website. And if you're on mm-hmm. Patreon and you happen to have the wrong perspective and someone complains about, uh, say, say we're, Brad and I used Patreon, uh, to fund or, or, or even start, start over here. I believe in you. You could, you could say something in a newspaper article you published as part of a job. And then you're doing some kind of Patreon thing on the side that's unrelated. Mm-hmm. And they would look at your newspaper article and they would delete your account. They don't, it doesn't have to, you'd think that, that what they're worried about is the money that goes through yeah, them yeah. going to efforts they don't like. And they're not even, they're past that line. They're, they're people who are getting kicked off for things they've said in an entirely different context than what their Patreon account No, is. yeah, they've, they've gone to the, the, to the full cancellation mode of, if you do this, this, or this, we consider you a bad human being, and therefore you shouldn't partake in any of our services, regardless of what you're using our services for. Right. Right. And the scariest institutions that are picking that up are banks, banks with the ESG scores and things where they give you the kind of social credit score. Um, that's still fairly preliminary, but certainly exists and is... Uh, is affecting companies significantly. In fact, it may, it may be the catalyst that's been driving companies to, uh, to become so woke for lack of a better word. So we've got speech being censored. That's, that's true. Uh, Elon Musk has made a massive step towards changing that, assuming he is successful and carries through with it and finds that happy middle ground of well, okay, well, we'll just we'll, we'll see what he does. We'll see what I he does. I'll say, what happy middle there, ground are you talking about? The, there's going to be things. 
Well, I'm, I'm curious how he treats it because there's a lot of cases where um, I was listening to some people talk about how, uh, in fact, Sam Harris was talking about how there are a number of things that are apolitical that almost all social media companies as they are now, including ones that are supposedly free, pro-free speech, actually do filter out. Um, thing you know just disgusting gotcha. content disturbing mm-hmm. content things that aren't mm-hmm. illegal um he pointed out that if you want a truly unmoderated place go to 4chan <laughs> right and, and and if that's what you want twitter to be then you want absolute free speech yeah 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 but that's very <laughs> um, different from what we think of as free speech which is actually not which is actually not which is actually something heavily uh, limited. The idea being that there's a difference between uh, political hunting, which is what what uh, getting rid of people whose opinions you dislike or people who you don't think are good humans in the for their political beliefs, and saying, you know, we're not going to say that use that kind of language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the kind of the kind of people you want the kind of conversations you could have at your house with people that you respect rather than. Teenagers. No, being but that, but see, that's, but see, that's, that's, that's a great analogy because many people don't allow political speech in their house or political speech they disagree with. <laughs> and so, so, so right. pointing that's that right. out is really illustrating the fact that when people say free speech, it is, it's, they rarely mean it's arbitrary. Speech, yeah. It's arbitrary based off of what they personally want. So what Elon Musk actually does will, will probably be arbitrary based off of what he wants. And hopefully, and most likely, yes. it will be better than what Twitter did before, but it won't be the free speech that he's promised. Probably not. I, I would be curious. Um, I, you know, it's it's entirely possible that 4chan, that that people trying to make Twitter 4chan, even if there were no moderation, would fail. That that they just wouldn't be followed. They wouldn't be listened to. They'd end up with no audience. Right? You can you can actually. There can actually be social moderation that effectively acts the same way um, without some something top down. But anyway, I'm kind of curious. I kind of hope that he pulls his hands off completely, you know, nothing, moderates nothing. And then we'd see because there's it's a different group of people on Twitter than on Mm -hmm. 4chan. And just because you have the same rules doesn't mean the two will become the same. In fact, to expect that, I think, is. Is. uh, Really. uh, Foolish. To think that just because the rules are the same, eventually they're going to, to be the same, be the same group of people. Yeah, they're not. They're going to be a different group of people, and as such, they're going to behave differently. But anyway, we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm. I feel like I've said that about a hundred times this episode already. <laughs> Speech being censored is an interesting one, especially since Brad, you and I have talked about this a lot. We don't. The right to free speech is. The legal right to free speech is odd. And I think it's based on entirely incorrect grounds. And I don't, I don't think you have a right to free speech. Now, I think you have other rights that effectively give you something extremely mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. to the American sense of what is free speech. But those differences are, are critical and they, they make it, they, they change the, the idea quite a bit. They go much more, they are much more closer. They're much closer to your, the analogy of being in someone's home. That the, it's actually not speech that's protected. It's, uh, it's property and association and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But speech is being censored. Human trafficking 
and uh, let's put human trafficking and crime rates together. We listed them in the, the message from this lady. They're very separate places, very different places. But the two certainly overlap. Human trafficking is a kind of crime. Um, one thing that, that too many people in the world are convinced that their children are going to be kidnapped tomorrow, and they hear human trafficking is up and they go, see, this is why my child will never go outside and play. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's exactly the thought in their head, right? Or some functionally, that's the thought. <laughs> um, this is a, this is a huge mistake. Human trafficking is not kidnapping. The two are not the same. They are two different crimes. Kidnapping involves someone coming and taking your child somewhere else. I, I almost used the word kidnapping because I've never had to try to explain kidnapping. kidnapping yeah, yeah, without using the word. <laughs> without using the word. I almost failed the basic how to give a definition test. Use the word to describe itself. Um, trafficking doesn't – you can kidnap a child and then traffic them. That can happen. But kidnapping almost never happens in the United States. And if you live in a city like Dallas, which is where I live, you're probably thinking, are you kidding? It happens all the time. My phone gets emergency notices all the time for it. Mm -hmm. Most of those are actually not kidnapping or they're kidnapping, but they're actually not going to actually, it's not going to turn out to be a case in which someone is tried for kidnapping and well, and, prosecuted and on ev those terms. even if they are, it's not a case of you left your child alone for a second and a stranger grabbed them and put them in their van. It's almost always um, a family member, you know, and there's some kind of domestic dispute. And so even if what they're doing is legally speaking kidnapping, which often it is in those cases because the waters get yes, money, yes. you lose custody because they don't you yes, lose custody yes. of your child and you take that child without permission. That can legally be a form of kidnapping, even though they're literally your child, you know, and, and you don't harm yes. them and, you know, and the thing gets resolved within a day. And so it's not the classic kidnapping story, even though legally it's getting put down as that. Yes, yes, exactly. If you take kidnapping as a category and you eliminate all of the cases like you just described, where, where ultimately it's, it's something more like a custody battle. This person is not kidnapping. And, I, this and I'm not saying them. those situations aren't bad or that, that yes, you know, I'm, yes. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's, it's not what we're thinking it is. Yes. Your ex-husband comes and, uh, and tells your children, you know, picks your children up from school and says, actually, you guys are going to be with me today and goes and takes them out for ice cream. That would be considered kidnapping if he doesn't actually have the rights there. And that's usually some variation on that, often more dramatic, certainly more frightening. You know, they're trying to flee to another state or they're trying to. Do something like that. Um, that's frightening, but that's not the, the what we fear about kidnapping. When we think of kidnapping, what we're thinking of is some stranger comes and takes your child and you never see them again. Mm -hmm. If you look at cases like that, there's actually only like a couple hundred in the United States in a year. They're, they're extraordinarily rare. It almost never happens. I mean, I may be overstating it. I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, but I remember, <laughs> I remember talking to, uh, you know, an employee who was, who was talking about how I should be scared of uh, someone who was talking about how I should be scared of, of my children getting trafficked while they're playing outside. And I was like, you mean kidnapped or trafficked? What are you talking about? Because I'm not afraid of them getting kidnapped. It's, it's such a rare event that it would be, it would be foolish of me to prevent them from having 
know, all kinds of experiences and joys and playing with neighbor kids and these other things, just because I can't currently watch them out the window and so on, you know, there's a lot of irrational fear around this when you realize that it almost never happens. Um, you can, I don't know, hopefully relax a little bit and your kid can have a nice day for a change. Go outside. <laughs> I thought this, that there's these people, you know, that, uh, that, that their children never leave the house unless they're with their parents. And like, there's all these neighbor kids out playing and having a good time. And I just feel so bad for these kids. Anyway, anyway, there's your parenting advice. Don't be so afraid of kidnapping that, uh, that your kids are, have a miserable childhood. I mean, first we get stock market advice and now we get, you know, parenting advice. This is just right. Your wisdom is overflowing today, Dan. <laughs> Come and bask in the radiance of me. Human trafficking is different. Human trafficking usually involves, uh, uh, some kind of exchange where, uh, the child is being sold for some kind of service or, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to say by well, definition. Well, human trafficking isn't just children, human trafficking. No, 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 it's not. It's not. I'm thinking children from the kidnapping case and kidnapping isn't always children either. But, um, but the idea is if, 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 um, human trafficking often occurs without the child changing positions in life without them change, without them uh, being kidnapped, without them going to some other strange place and so on. It's usually someone they know as it would have to be It'd hard to be for a stranger to enter someone's life while they're still doing what they're doing and uh, and suddenly have enough control over them to, to traffic them. But usually it's a, uh, it's associated with selling uh, like sexual favors and things. So if you were to, uh, to uh, pimp someone out, you're, you are trafficking them. Um, that's a very different crime and it's a crime committed by people, you know, almost exclusively. And it's a crime that doesn't involve, as I said, you getting carried away to some strange foreign country. That has increased dramatically, or at least it's up. It's been on the increase for a long time. This is one of the few crimes that over the years hasn't gotten significantly better. And and I and I would just like to to clarify real quick that that even that is possibly the most popularized representation of human, of human trafficking, tra yeah. but it's actually not the most common. That mm -hmm. that like a you know the Human Rights Commission breaks human trafficking down into three different groups, which is sex trafficking, forced labor, and debt bondage, and forced labor as the biggest of those three. But it's not as popular as the other one because the other one's so horrific. You know what I mean? So that's the one yes, that gets yes. that gets portrayed, and it's the the one that you you know you hear about. But in other parts of the world, forced labor is something that happens pretty regularly, where they get people get put in these situations. Same with the debt bondage; people get put in these situations where they're 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 forced to do these things. And, and to work for other people. And once again, now you're talking about adults, not children. And, you know, you often you're talking about men who are in these situations who are getting forced to work and, and other things that's not as glamorous, but is actually a huge chunk of those numbers. And so when you're looking at human trafficking numbers, understand that that's going on too. Yeah. These are very, those things that you just described, the, the three categories, they're all very different. Mm -hmm. the, the, the image we have in our heads is almost always sexual trafficking. And almost always of somebody helpless, a child, uh, a woman surrounded by stronger men or something like that. 
And once again, the- and once again, that's not to diminish what does happen because it absolutely does. You know, sex trafficking yes. absolutely does happen, and it is horrible. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to Just diminish that. Kidnapping, in the classic sense that everybody's afraid of, does happen, and it's terrifying. And and because of how terrifying it is, people. Yeah, and we've act, talked about uh, that with risk analysis afraid. before. Is when it's something is yeah, so yes. horrible. You know, then it doesn't matter how rare it is. Just seeing it at all is a nightmare. Yes, yes. Um, Other crime rates. This is a. Overall, the violent crime rate has gone up. This is this is I'm drawing statistics from uh, 2010 compared to 2020. One of the problems with crime rates, we've talked about this. I think we talked about this in our racism episode or some of those those related ones we were looking at. murders and and disproportionate police responses and things police statistics and drugs we've talked about this a lot haven't we police statistics are somewhat rough you get them they vary on a state-by-state basis and um, there's been efforts to standardize within states which is good which helps because it used to be precincts varied and what they reported and how what they qualified as what crime um the standardization here has been extremely useful to get a better picture of the of of what's happening on a state by state basis, we they're compiled then further by the FBI, which which uh, publishes numbers every so often. But that's a slow process. As such, we're dealing with old numbers, mostly twenty twenty numbers here. Um, what's interesting to note before I get into these is that, unlike trafficking, almost every other crime, violent crime, has gone down over the years. We are, we, five years ago, we were at a low point or four or five years ago. Crime is like the lowest it's ever been since we've been tracking. That's changing. Overall, violent crime has gone up 12%. 12% doesn't seem like that, that much, at least to me. But when you break it down further by which crimes, it's more frightening. Wait, how many how many witches are committing crimes these days, anyways? <laughs> witches are on the rise, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh no, we're about to. This is how the Salem witch trials were started—a podcast in which they weren't careful. And they're words. talking about witch crimes. <laughs> when you look at witch crimes, it's out of control. It's out of control. Here's the here's the trick to understand this: property crimes have actually gone down. Overall, property crimes down 33%. Burglary down 51%. Larceny or theft down 33%. Robbery down 23%. The one oddity here is motor vehicle theft, which is up 48%. I have no idea why, but I feel like there must be a why. (laughs) An increase in Grand Theft Auto, 48%? That's a crazy increase. (laughs) Why? I don't know the answer to that. So it's a mystery for another day. But listen to the, the violent crimes that have gone up. Murder and manslaughter, 26%. Rape, 38%. Aggravated assault, 29%. Robbery, again, uh, robbery being a violent crime. Robbery is what? Uh, does this include by definition assault? I'm hazy on my my legal definition. No, no, robbery doesn't robbery need crimes. to have assault. Which one? Because uh, because I feel like it does, but we'll 
No, because you because you you rob a bank, you you pull out a gun and say, "Give me the money." Isn't assault? It's armed robbery. That's right. That's right. And so, so it's, it's, it is a violent crime. Yeah, it, that's that's still an act of violence, even though it's not assault. Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So yes. So robbery is. That's right. Robbery is technically considered a violent crime because it requires. It involves the use of violence or intimidation. Mm-hmm. That's what sets it apart from, from burglary, from theft or burglary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So property crimes down, except for motor vehicle theft. Violent crimes up except for robbery, which is partially, you know, motivated by a property. <laughs> it's, it's odd. Now, part of that may just be that more people have been home over COVID. This is 2020 crime statistics. And we get 2020, 2021. Um, the anecdotal information we have, you can get some state by state information right now on crimes, is that again, all of the crimes are, are up. Hopefully they're going down again. Hopefully they're returning to pre-COVID levels. Uh, but we'll, that would be, that would be good news. But for now, the trend is that after many years of going down generally, there are some years where they'd go up a, you know, a tiny bit, but in general, the trend was down. They have jumped. Mm-hmm. They've jumped by massive amounts. 29%, 26%, 38%. These are big numbers. Why? And I don't know the answer to that. I could, we could speculate a little bit. Um, it may be related to the drug overdose deaths. It's another item on this list. Right? Drug overdose and mental illness. Both up. Mm-hmm. Drug overdose was up by, what's the number? Uh, I believe it was, uh, it went up 50% 2019 to 2020. Yeah, 2019 to 2021, 50% increase in deaths due to drug overdose. Uh, Two-thirds of those, roughly, is fentanyl or another synthetic And opioid. And that increased number is, is over 100,000 drug yes. overdose deaths in the United States, which when you think about it, it's crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot of deaths. Yeah, so it went from roughly uh, 72,000-ish, 70, low 70,000s to 108,000, an additional 35,000-ish deaths. That's a lot of people. The mental health crisis, that one, that one again, the, the question, one of the questions under all this is how much of this is COVID, right? Mm-hmm. How much of this is, mm-hmm. how much is this is the temporary difficulty of shutdowns and lockdowns with COVID and the fear of the virus itself? And, and how much of this was triggered by COVID, but may stick around. But may, you know, for, yes, for yes, those yes. of you who have noticed that a lot of, uh, you know, businesses have changed their practices because of COVID, but never changed them back. I think that's also true of broader things like people's psychological state. For a lot of people, COVID was a mental blow, but it wasn't a glancing blow. You know what I mean? Like people suffered damage because of COVID, but it's not like COVID went away and everything was fine. You know, and so, yeah. so there's, so, yes. so I think there's going to be trends that we see that were triggered by COVID, but aren't just going to be a blip that are still going to yes. be a problem. Yeah. We could say this is probably the cause, but it's going to continue, even though that cause has been removed. Well, and that's why this I wouldn't is, say it's this just is the a, catalyst. That's why I wouldn't say it's yeah. just the cause. It's a trigger. Yes. You know, there yes, are underlying. Catalyst or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's mm-hmm. changed something. Right. Right. What's, it's not merely 
a force that once removed, everything will be undone. Because you could, because you could say that with mental health, that that mental health in the United States has probably been deteriorating over years, and you've got lots of things that are contributing to that. You know, increased isolation. You know, social media has had some really negative effects, and and things like that. You know, decrease in. In, in, I don't know, in, in strong relationships between people, other things like that you can look at. And then you have COVID that amplifies all of these things all at once and brings a lot of those things to the surface that might stick around after the fact. Right. Uh, Jonathan Haidt was, uh, wrote an article about the Tower of Babel or Babel, depending on how you pronounce it. And uh, he noted in there that uh, – that relationships in general to turn back a little bit to social media that we've gone from using social media to keep in contact with people and to improve relationships right it was a, it was a useful tool within the context of relationships with friends and family who are distant to a way to propagate your your brand and your social status and that those are two fundamentally different different goals with social media and one of them is a is a ticket to being closer to people. One of them is a ticket to being, well, a brand, something, something distant and, and artificial. Related another note on social media, because social media, it, as the mental health crises are rapidly are in so many cases getting out of hand. Um, if you look at teenagers, I, I think every generation has looked at teenagers and been like, man, you guys are messed up. <laughs> but in some, and, and so some of that is going to be, some of that's just the way it is. Generations, there are generational differences. But no, if you look at things like uh, increases in mental health problems that are that are beyond what you'd expect from people just losing the stigma of talking about mental health problems. There are really, really big red flags. Um, for example, there's been a massive increase, exponential increase, in the number of teenagers who are diagnosed or self-diagnosed. <laughs> they're, they're diagnosed when... They're diagnosed, being diagnosed with uh, multiple personality disorder or, uh, oh, what is the term, Brad? I'm so bad at this game. <laughs> really are. I wish I could tell you right now that I've thought of the term, but I'm choosing not to tell you to make you suffer, but I can't think of what it but is But you either. can't think of it either. There's a different term for it now, but most people know of it as Something about disassociative. Personality disassociative personality there disorder. There you go. That's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, it's the two terms are used. People use multiple personality disorders so often that even though they switch the term, um, they still put it in parentheses after, even in like, like in articles and, um, even in, uh, medical things. Uh, so I don't feel that bad. Um, that is an extremely rare disease. Disease is probably the wrong term here. Mental, mental issue. Extremely rare. We're talking. At one point, there were like 150 total diagnoses in, uh, I believe it was the world. <laughs> this is, 
that that seems so low. Mm-hmm. Um, it's low enough that there are psychologists and psychiatrists who will argue that it's actually not a thing. That there may be a combination of other things that seem to manifest in it, but as, as its own unique thing, it actually shouldn't be considered it, uh, an official um, diagnosis. diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and in the cases where it has been well-documented, where it seems to have been well-documented, in which you would argue that it absolutely is a thing, it's almost always associated with extreme abuse as children. And that, that makes some sense. If you just say, what would, what would really, really mess up someone's mind? It's serious problems as children. The, the very extremes of it would, may, would give you worse problems. As it is right now, the number of people who are coming to psychologists and psychiatrists and saying, I have this. I know I have it. There's so there's this many personalities living in my head. The numbers are so far above what the historical trend has been. And the people are acting so strangely that there's no question that it's at least partially driven by social contagion. And where would, what is social contagion briefly? By associating with people who have certain problems, some people will then mimic and pick up those problems. And those problems can become very real for them. Or they may just be playing them out as a kind of uh, social actor. In some cases, it will really affect them. In some cases, it's it's a kind of self-deception. And I guess the line between those two is not easy to draw in mental things because it's all, it's all in your head, literally. Um, or at least mostly, right? Our ability to navigate what, what functionally is the difference in the actual concrete brain in your head is, uh, is very limited. Uh, some of the assumptions that we thought were solid gold in terms of psychology that we'd made 20, 30 years ago have turned out to be not quite as solid. Uh, the chemical imbalances idea has been refuted, uh, for an example. There's, there's some truth to it, but, the, but it's much more complicated than we thought, and, and it doesn't, uh, doesn't always seem to play out the way that we think it would. Anyway, <laughs> go down a rabbit hole of psychology here. There's no question that social media is linked to these things. The, the correlation is astounding. The more time you spend on social media, the more problems you're going to have. And that, that and yes, having problems may lead you to associate with people on social media more. The, the reverse causality makes some sense. Um, but you can control for some of those things. And if you spend a lot of time on social media, you're going to have problems. More notably, a lot of this can be traced back to TikTok. Now, it gives me great pleasure to bash <laughs> on TikTok. So I have some bias here. All right. I don't want anything to do with the platform. Everything I've seen from TikTok is either not funny, stupid, or wrong <laughs> at some level. <laughs> wrong at the level that it, that it causes me to experience disgust or <laughs> aversion. <laughs> on another note, we are planning on transferring our uh, podcast platform over to TikTok. <laughs> We're just going to make TikTok videos from here on out. Um, TikTok in particular, along with multiple personality disorder, you get another really rare one that is rapidly picking up the, the pace that is more people have it now than in, in, in proportion to the population than 
than before, and uh, it, it seems, again, to be driven by social contagion, is Tourette syndrome. Um, if you get on TikTok, one of the things you'll find is that people with problems can rapidly become famous. And the, the multiple personality one and Tourette syndrome, if you think about what would, what would bring attention to you, what's a, what's a mental illness that you can express in a showy way, these two make a lot of sense. Now, how does depression manifest? Well, first off, it's too common for it to be socially uh, noteworthy that you have it. And it would make you not make videos on TikTok. <laughs> Tourette syndrome, on the other hand, or uh, multiple personalities, these could be, for lack of a better word, and, and TikTok is the kind of twisted place where this happens, entertaining. And so you'll get, you'll get people trying to diagnose themselves, their mental illnesses, by watching videos of people on TikTok show through their drawings of anime characters that they have named and written backstories for each of their multiple personalities. And then you've got people with Tourette syndrome who will be talking about something and then start spouting off other things. Tourette syndrome being the, the, the cartoon display of Tourette syndrome is the person who can't stop cussing. Right? They just cuss spontaneously. Um, obviously, there's more to it than that. All of this is to say, uh, and so one final note before I close this, social contagion almost exclusively affects teenage girls. And where are the numbers for mental illness spiking most dramatically? Teenage girls. Where's uh, almost all of the gender stuff coming from? And the gender non-conforming, non-binary, the, the, uh, and trans stuff coming from? Teenage girls. Where are all the teenage girls spending their time, mostly on TikTok, in terms of social media? It's it's very hard to say this causes this causes this, but I'm very comfortable saying this has an impact on this, which has an impact on this. That there's something there. There's something there. Mm -hmm. There's something there. Um, if you get uh, food, food uh, disorders, uh, uh, eating disorders like anorexia, um, they used to put people with anorexia in a hospital together. Because that's what you do. You put people with a common problem in a common area so that, I mean, for obviously it's convenient for the hospital staff and for specialized equipment and so on. You can't do that with eating disorders because the people will encourage each other. It will, it will make them worse off to have someone by them who has their same problem. This seems to be, and this is tied to this idea of social contagion. This is a, an example of it that's well known and documented. Um, social media is a cesspool. TikTok and people watching videos on TikTok all day, not healthy for your brain. And that's only part of the problem, right? People not being able to go out and play the, the lockdowns, all that stuff, all being isolated from school and, su and such. Um, not that school is going to save you, but perhaps associating with other people will help. <laughs> Pub public school is not going to save your mental health. <laughs> <laughs> the only, the only, to get a favorable comparison for mental health to public school, you have to lock people in a room and never let them out. <laughs> that's, if that's the alternative, public school looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs>
just take a shot at that while I'm here. No, I appreciate that. So what's the state of the world? Did we cover all of them, Brad? I think so. We're closing in on the end of our time here. Those are terrible trends. I don't want to live – I don't want those things – I don't want to live as a terrible place to suddenly cut off your <laughs> your statement and, and try again. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing fine. Everyone, it's all right. I'm doing fine. Okay, everything's going to be all right. These trends, uh, maybe the, the most temporary of them, certainly baby formula, will write itself. Stock market tanking can go, can go disastrous. Gas prices and inflation, these things are hopefully temporary. Politics can make them into permanent problems that collapse societies. There's a lot of countries that have, <laughs> where this has happened. Some of them kept the name, and so they're still around. But for a period of time, it's absolute collapse. Hopefully that's not where these are going. But taken as a whole, the trends here are not good. And how, how on earth, this is the question on everyone's mind, what law could we pass, Brad, that would save us from these? <laughs> we need a leader who can come in and change all of these. No, I mean, yeah. First thing we're going to do is we're going to ban drug overdoses because I don't oh know why gosh. no one thought of that. What if, that's right. What if we made it illegal to have these drugs unless you had uh, like a diagnosis from a doctor and then they just gave you enough for whatever it was, and so you didn't have extra. And we could come up with a lot of other regulations to help. Yeah, like, why help. don't people ban these illegal drugs? That would really help. Really. Um, and then, and then you know, we got to have a, a fixed increase on the stock market. You know, it can't drop below a certain point. Um, you know, fix the prices on gas for sure. Um, yeah. Definitely need to fix the prices on baby formula since the prices are going up, and that won't hurt the shortage. Um Speech being censored is actually a good thing, so we're going to want to double down on that. The real problem is that we let her get away with saying that speech is being censored. Clearly, the censor's messed up. <laughs> Otherwise, that line would have already been stricken from the record. Um, in yeah. terms of uh, you know crime and human trafficking, once again, we need to make those things illegal, and that'll put a stop to that. And then mental health crises, the solution there is, of course, very simple. It's to ban you know, mental health crises. If we can stop yeah. people from having these, then that'll fix it. Did, did I about cover it? Yes. I think, I think we've got it all I taken care here. of. Brad for president. The, the cynicism is, is dripping through, but the point is, is that's how people act about these things. You know, we can't, we yeah. can't make drugs legal because then people will OD on them as if there weren't a hundred thousand drug overdose deaths last year. You know what I mean? We, we, we can't, we have to be tough on crime and have mandatory minimums or else we're going to have skyrocketing crime rates. Well, we've already yeah. got that. So clearly what we're doing isn't working. You know, you know, yes. you know, Biden keeps, you know, you know, using the, 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 the fuel reserves to lower gas prices. That clearly didn't work, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's such an interesting position to be in because you can absolutely make things worse in an effort to take extreme action to make it better. You could say that what we're doing we could say what you just said, Brad, it's not working. Thus, we need to throw it out and do something radically different and then make it 10 times worse. <laughs> we, we happen to live in the United States, which for all its problems, and they're, they are legion at this point, um, I feel extremely prosperous 
just living here compared to most of the world, right? You, you just you can work minimum wage and be rich by by a, a significant portion of the world's standards, um, and you don't want to ruin that in an effort to fix it. But at the same time, these trends are really bad. <laughs> how do we get off this roller coaster? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, do we, how do I want off this ride? Um, and I keep coming back to this in, this interesting thought. Part of why Brad and I are doing this is because we want to reframe politics, rethink it, right? We want people to, to look at it from a different perspective, pull in some principles that they're not familiar with, start applying them, see if it makes their worldview clear up a little bit, see if it makes sense of some things, and if it seems consistent with their experience and what they're seeing. Um, and so you know, add a few pieces to their puzzle and maybe to, maybe it's a little clearer. Maybe they can navigate it a little better. Um, we could use a new party, a new political party that at least stops pretending like the government can fix all these things. And if you're thinking the Republicans do that, the Republicans always say the government can't fix everything. Then they try and fix everything or rather they focus on a different set of problems like international ones, Russia, and they want to fix it with bombs. And these are, these are different. They, they look at crime and they find they're constantly finding the ways that government can fix problems, even as they look at the liberals and say, government can't solve every problem. I want, but, but even, but beyond that, I want a party that comes with an ethic, a, a view of what people are and what they can be because uh, we need a we need a party we could we absolutely need a change in politics but we need more than that we need a change in the way in which we perceive the world so that we can face it with courage and honesty and in a way that we can overcome problems at the at the basic levels of individual family and communities so that not everything ends up getting elevated to a national, you know, a national solution. A national solution doesn't work for almost all of these. Almost all of these, if you say, how do you solve the national health crisis? I have no idea. How do you solve the health crisis of so-and-so who I know that I can help with? Mm-hmm. I can alleviate that a little bit. How do we solve the human trafficking problem? I I don't know if you're going to make me come up with a government policy that solves it. Uh, it may help a little bit, but you know what I can do? If I knew the people around me better, I could probably see problems. I could probably get them. I could probably befriend people and help people and associate with people in a way that such circumstances where that would be something they want to do, or if it is happening where I can see it and, and I can either prevent it or get people out of it or people would be more willing to reach out to me if they needed help, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, and, a- and have a political party that remembers that it is, it's people who are the ones who are solving problems and they're the ones who have solved problems in the past. And they're the ones who are going to solve these problems. You know, the baby formula scarcity, you know, what's the real solution? It's we need to make more baby formula and that can't be legislated. It needs to be done by individuals and, and by companies. And that's where we need to be looking. Yes. yes. We need it. The problem is at the very, at the level of one human interacting with another. That's where the solution to this problem is. 
And, and the, the things that govern that sphere are at the level of, of character and, and ethics and religion to some degree, you know, these, these, these interrelated things, um, that govern how we conduct ourselves as we, as we deal with other human beings. Um, that's, it's, it's that ground up level of focus that, that I think really needs to be reshaped. People need more meaning in their lives. They need something, they need something to, to focus and direct them. Obviously I'm channeling to some degree, some Jordan Peterson, but, uh, and, and mm-hmm. others who are in this sphere, who are looking for, who are trying to solve the problem and who are convinced as we are that politics can't solve it. You could make a politics way better and it still wouldn't solve it. You could, you could put Brad and I every, our every wish and dream into law and it wouldn't necessarily solve it. It would change a lot of things. Um, but the solution has to come at an individual level. And that's much harder to reach into. It's much easier to bemoan big systems and fails, failings of politicians who, in heaven mm-hmm. knows they're virtually useless most of the time. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> Despite how often I have voted for the person I like, my life has not become a paradise. Uh, anyway, I digress. What are your thoughts, Brad? Send us home. I'm already home, Dan. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> Did you make it to the couch yet? <laughs> Soon I'll be out of bed. No, I like exactly what you're saying, that that it comes down to individual action and individual choices that we make every day. And, and that's what we need to be focusing on because, yes, there are some overall bleak outlooks, but the world is still a place that's full of opportunity and it's still a f- full of joy and beauty. And we need to go out there and see that and take advantage of that and make the world better for ourselves and for those around us. And that's something that we can control and something that we can do. I love that. But especially since problems are not problems are opportunities. You said the world's full of opportunities. It's full of problems. And those problems uh, need somebody who can step up and deal with them. And deal with them in a way, uh, you know, through the means of persuasion and reason and and love. Let me just pull out my guitar and start singing here or something. Um, <laughs> but seriously, it's it's through those. It's through their direct efforts to be good and to help others be good that such changes come about. This has been an episode of Rethinking Politics. You can find us on all of the major podcasting apps or on YouTube. You can reach out to us at rethinkingpoliticspodcast at gmail.com or you can visit our website at rethinkingpolitics.podbean.com where you can support us via Patreon. Thanks and have a wonderful day.